Today I'm going to bring a new series, and it's based on um, something the Lord's been showing me, and it's a very serious, sobering message. God ministered it to me first, and the title is Press In, Press On, Press Up. That's how the Lord gave it to me. Press in, press on, press up. The Lord um, ministered to me, he says, we need to pray because there has been great pressure that has come upon the body of Christ. And this pressure is not like in the old days where it's limited to a certain group or certain sector, maybe high-level ministry. This pressure has come upon the United States. It's almost as there has been a release of a demonic manifestation that is pressuring anything and everything in society. And the pressure is trying to wilt down the Christian to try to shut them down, to shut down their effectiveness, to destroy their relationship with God and their relationship in overall culture, whether it be family, whether it be with the body of Christ, whether it be at work, politically, it's, it's, it's this, this spirit has gotten inculcated in all of the nation. And we see it because it's affecting us. It's affecting not only the nation from the White House to the little small corner house in the Bronx. Families are being affected. Elected officials are being affected. And it's gotten to a very dangerous place. Because depending on how you stand politically, you might get spit in the face. But there's, it's, it's a vitriolic hatred that is being spewed. I don't know if you've been noticing it. But it's not just politics. It's in the church. And I'm not talking about we're hating each other. I'm talking about we ourselves are sensing the pressure of this attack. It's affecting everything around us. It's affecting our jobs. It's affecting our supervisors. It's affecting our families. It's affecting us, our prayer. It's affecting our walk with God, if we let it. You know, the Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But we still have to fight. And Jesus modeled that because the first thing he does in ministry is he goes to the desert to be tempted and tested of the devil. So he had to go through what all of us need to go through. And he had to be our model. And you could see how he submitted to the process. And when the enemy attacked him, he always brought back the word. And the enemy tempted him in various areas. He, attempted, he, he tested his pride. He tested his emotions. He tested his future and destiny. He even tested who Jesus was. He says, if you are the son of God. So the enemy's been testing all of you. I think that every single one of you have been in a season of being sifted. Because the more I speak to everybody, the more I realize we're all being sifted. And so the other day, you know, I'm saying, Father, what would you have your people hear? He says, this is what you're going to talk to them about. I says, wow, yeah, you're right. You know, it didn't even hit me. He says, press in. Let me say it the right way, because I wrote it down. Press in, 
press on, press up. So let's open the word of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 3, verse, verse 12. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. I usually read from the New King James Version. Even though I know Tony would prefer me to read from the old King James Version. Do you? Wow, you're sliding. It's a slippery slope, man. Very soon you'll be using the message and NIV and all that. Be careful. <laughs> I, use, I use different types of scriptures just to refer several points. But I, like, I personally like the King James Version. I think it's more, one of the more original. Um, although even there, there's some mistakes. You know, when you study it, there are some issues. So we have to go before God and, and study. We, we need to study uh, homiletics, hermeneutics, you know, how to study the scripture. But while I'm preaching and teaching, sometimes I'll use different type of verses, uh, different variations um, of what's written out there just to bring a point. Today I might bring a point or two on some words. But it's, it's, it's wonderful to know that the Word of God contains an anointing and a grace so that when we hear it, it connects us with the Father, right? So in the New King James Version, Philippians 3, verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. You people aren't listening today. <laughs> Philippians 3.12. I love it when I'm talking to sharp people. Actually, I knew it, but I just wanted to test you. <laughs> You know, this, they knew it automatically. I shouldn't say verses anymore. They just, they know it all. Praise God. Thank you for catching me there. Thank you. You know, and I have, to top it off, I have it written down, Philippians 3.12. Praise God. So, Philippians 3.12. That's what I said all along. I don't understand what's the matter with your ears. What happened? Amen. Praise God for mercy. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching, reaching, reaching forward, to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So you could see an urgency in this man of God. Paul told the Philippians, we need to press for some things, and especially in our relationship with God. We need to reach forward, not behind. We need to reach forward and press for those things which are ahead. And you know that Paul went through many persecutions, many tests, many trials, much difficulty. Some of these scriptures, he actually wrote them while he was in prison. So this was a man that understood tribulations, temptations, difficult times, unfairness. He did not minister the way some of the ministers today minister. They have, you know, Mercedes Benzes. They, you know, uh, when they have to go preach somewhere, uh, somebody will pick them up right from their house. They put them inside a plane first class. When they get to the other side, somebody picks them up. 
brings them to the five-star hotel, right? Wow, what a way to suffer for Jesus. Not him. He had to walk to most places. One time he got into, uh, maybe more than once, in, into a ship, and the ship was totally destroyed because of a major storm. What a ministry. I mean, if you're going to pick ministry, wow. You have to be careful what ministry you, you decide to pick, right? The word press, it means this, to urge someone with importunity. You know, you push and you ask and you ask again. Have you ever known anybody that asked you and you said no and they ask you again and they say no? And they ask you, you ask, rather, they ask again, you say no, they ask again. You, it's called children. They ask and then they urge you with importunity. I need this toy. I want that ice cream. Whatever it may be, right? Great salesmen, they know how to urge. They know how to press. You ever met a great salesman before? Of course you do. You bought the product, even though you didn't need it or want it. The word press also means to drive forth with continued pressure. So whenever you're talking about press, there's a pressure to it. There's a pushing. You feel that wind in your back pushing you, impelling you. It also means to enforce with earnestness. So there's an enforcing. It's not just a one-time thing. Is you continue pushing and enforcing it until you see the answer. It's also to seek with a corresponding pressure to bring about a change or desired or needed result. See, the reason why you're pushing for something is because you want to see something happen, right? Or you want something. That's why we press. Paul wanted to see God. Paul wanted to honor God. Paul wanted to please God. And he did so with all of his heart, his mind, his soul, and his body. The word seek is very similar. You know in scripture, it says seek and you shall find, right? In the Amplified it says, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Say that with me. Seek and keep on seeking. And you will find. See, that's the key right there. The word seek, it means that you don't stop. You continue. You push through. So what Paul was talking about, he was talking about, that. listen, we, we need to seek God and, and we need to press through in what God's calling us to do no matter what. If we go through a hard time, you keep on pushing through. And here's what I have found. Many today in the kingdom of God, they've gone through a battle and they've given up. They've shut down. They've backed off. They've allowed the enemy to paralyze them. They've allowed circumstance and situation to paralyze them. And when, when God was giving me this message, he says, my son... Tell the people, I'm looking for that press once again. Because he's not seeing it in many places. The press has got to come back. So God says to us today, press on my son, press on my daughter. Hallelujah. It says, seek and keep on seeking and you will find. See, so the key is not to do it once and then say, well, it didn't work because, you know, I didn't get the answer. 
I didn't get the result I was looking for, so this stuff doesn't work. No, it says keep on seeking. Keep on pushing. Keep on pressing. Don't give up. Don't give in. God is saying your answer is on the other side of the press. Hallelujah. Jesus said we have to press into his kingdom. Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God and its righteousness first. 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 Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. We seek everything else except for the kingdom of God. And, but yet we want the first class response from Almighty God. He says, don't worry. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father, though, knows that you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When one presses in, when you get a person that realizes the power of press, what they are actually doing is they realize that there is more. They realize it. Oh, hey, I'm going to go after this. If somebody were to tell you tomorrow that for $10,000, if you tell 10 people to buy that product, and they buy it, you'll get $10,000. Wouldn't that change the way you present that product to somebody? I would. I would beg them to buy. I would give them the money to buy it. I said, buy it for free for 30 days. Like, you know, give it back to me. I want my $10,000. See, there's, there's an impetus. There, there is something urging us to press forward. Hallelujah. So we realize there's more. Number two, they refuse to stay in the same place anymore. When you press, it's because you're tired of it. I'm tired of this sickness. I'm tired of being in this place. I'm tired of them treating me this way. I'm, I'm tired of this hairdo. Yeah, you have to be tired of something enough to make a change. I'm tired of, of the extra 10, 20 pounds. Because it's affecting my quality of life. I'm tired of smoking. I'm tired of this defeatist mentality. Every time I try something, I just give. I'm tired of this. It's when you get tired that you get angry enough that you start pressing. And that's when you get to change. But you've got to get to that place. People that get to that place, they refuse to stay in the same place anymore. So they realize... That to stay in the same place is to acknowledge defeat. And that one doesn't believe that anything good is going to happen. So what happens is they, they come to a place of disillusion and doubt. People that press in are committing to go deeper, to break through the status quo. They're, rejects, they're rejecting the voices telling you to stay in your lane. Stay in your station. You don't deserve better. How dare you push forward? How dare you want to do better? How dare you to get ahead? Press. The press. I had to deal with that in the, this last year. This last year, I was, I, I was sensing that urgency. In my spirit, it's time to switch your career. It's time to switch and go into ministry. Because a season had come in, and, and I was just sensing it for a long time. And finally, I got the nerve to start thinking about it and mulling it over. And, and, and then I started saying, whoa, I, I, I have to do this, right? 
Spoke to my wife. We prayed. I said, yeah, it's the season. I didn't leave right away. I started studying and preparing for my new season. What will I be doing in the new season? And after much study and preparation, understanding uh, uh, what, what church is doing today, both locally, regionally, and nationally, how we can minister beyond the four walls of the church, after much preparation in my heart, I still felt that, oh, what if I leave and it doesn't work? What if I leave and I'm not received? All of that thing, you know, kept on coming back, and I had to challenge it each and every step of the way because I realized there was something more important at the other end of, of this particular venture. So I studied about um, social media, how to minister in different areas, a whole year. Now it's over a year. And come April of, of this year, I resigned from my position. Cushy position, very comfortable, a very comfortable prison. <laughs> yeah, it was a comfortable prison, because I made more than enough, kept me happy, but I couldn't do what I was called to do. I couldn't pastor properly. I couldn't minister the way I wanted to. And I kept on feeling more and more pressure because there are more and more needs, more and more things to do. And then the prophetic word, son, if you'd obey, this is what I want to do. One of the prophetic words we have is that we're going to minister, we're going to have an internet church of thousands. So God told us. And I had already, that, I had that in my heart when I received the word. I said, ooh, that hit me right here. Because I know God had already shown me that. So I started working with the word. And when I, re when I finally retired from the building industry early, so I could dedicate myself to that, came the next challenge. What was the next challenge? The self-image. Because see, I would now have to ask other people to partner with me. I've never asked people to partner with me in that sense, at that level. I just come here on a Sunday and I say, let's give an offering to God. Let's, let's receive an offering. And, you know, and me too. I give my tithe too for my job. So don't mess with me, man. I'm not asking for myself. I'm asking for the church. But I was doing that because in the past, years ago, say with me years ago. Years ago. About 20 years ago, I went full-time before. And I, I spent 12 years working full-time in the church before we had the church fire and the budget was shot. But during that time, sometimes I'd ask people for something and they would get angry at me. I would actually see that I'm here. I would talk about raising budget for something. You'd see the people, in the faces. They would go. Some of them would say, not again. <laughs> yeah. And I'd see that. And it would, you see, I'm, I'm very sensitive. I'm a sensitive individual. I'm, I, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to hurt you. And I also have pride. I have a certain level of ego. So I would get angry at the people. I get offended at them. Uh, Jose knows this the best because he's been a right-hand leader and friend to me for many, many years. There were times that they would do a pastor's day for me, right? And what do you do for pastor's day? You give us an offering, and I appreciate that because I help me. I pay bills at the end of, you know. I, you know, pastors work overtime. We don't get overtime. That's unfair, man. <laughs> In the, in the building industry, I paid overtime. I got paid lovely, man. Just to teach, I, I used to get paid $75 an hour. I saw everybody's face right now, so they went. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I listen, I'm telling you, I studied this. So I, I, I know what I'm doing I, in the building industry, but I had to get away from that so I could serve in the kingdom of God. So they would do a pastor's day, and so let's say I would get $600. 
Praise God, $600. Then the offering that day, it will be $600 less. So I would, tell, I would tell Jose, take that money. I don't want it. That's not mine. That belongs to God. These people are stealing. Is it true, yes or no? One day he came over and he gave me an off, the offering of the people. I told him, don't even bother taking an offering. I don't want anything from those people. I'm, I'm going to go and work, you know, in the secular job. And I, I got so offended. And he gave, he gave me the, offer, uh, the envelope, put it there. And I, I, I went, I don't want that. Didn't I tell you not to go? I, I really, I, I, I just let this man have it. It's true, it happened. I got upset. Thank God there's no video of that. But I was so upset at him. But it was not that. It was an ego thing that I had to deal with. It was a pride thing. Because I had to swallow my pride and just tell people, these are the needs. And, but I was dealing with these factors, and all of them were inside of me. So then when I went back to work and managing a property, because we had a fire, and the budget was shot, so pretty much I had to fire myself, lay myself off, so we could continue moving forward. All right. So years later, now we're here. I'm about ready to do the same thing. Those old voices came back to me. Remember what happened last time? They're going to get upset. They're going to get offended. See, but throughout all that process... There's been a dying of self inside of me and a receiving and an understanding. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I was letting others dictate my future. One of the most ironic thing, things about, about this is some of the people that criticized me back then because I was raising funds for the church are right now on Facebook raising money and asking people to help them. In their endeavors. And I'm not a hater. I say, yeah, that's excellent. You know, actually a very good strategy. But they were upset at me. So I said, I don't need you. I don't, I don't want anything to do. I'll work. They appreciate me more than the church does. That's what I would say. And I'm just being honest. I, I am being brutally honest. So I had to overcome that because... In order to make this work, this internet thing work, we need additional funds beyond the four walls of this church. And I can't put pressure on us for everything, so we developed a strategy. But in order to do the strategy, I had to write a letter working together with, with Julio. I had to write a letter and ask for donations and create a strategy and give them benefits. Here are what the partners are going to get. You're going to get this every week, this every month. And, and we're in the process of that. And those that are joining with us, you know, I, we, we bless them. Guess what? In my head. Oh, what are the other pastors going to think? What are the people going to think? And then it went through my head. But I said, no, shut your mouth. Shut up. I'm not going to receive that again. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I had to come to a point of maturity, and I had to press in. But the moment I tried to press in, I realized that the, one of the first enemies is myself. So when you press in, guess what? You're also going to have a big bad enemy, and it's going to be self. You're going to have to deal with your own issues. I share with you my testimony, some of the things I've been dealing with, and some of the things I've had to struggle with. But guess what? You will also have to struggle as you press through. <clears throat> Let me explain why. The enemy knows who you are. See, you can't come at this with a lie. You have to come at this with the truth. The enemy knows all your sins. Or your shortcomings, right? Even though it wasn't on video, he knows you did it. You can't lie about it, right? So you have to go to God and say, God, forgive me for this. Now help me to move forward. 
One of the things the Lord told me in the whole process of this, and, and he was so gracious and merciful to me. I love my Heavenly Father with, with all my life. One of the things he told me, and he told me just a couple of weeks ago, I shared, I think, the testimony with you. I had a world-level prophet come to me. And I, I was in, in, in Atlanta, of all things. And we're, we're just dealing with, you know, a conference, talking about church leadership. And here the prophet comes and sits next to me. He says, you ready? He says, oh, okay. He says, get your tape out. Get your phone out. You got to record this. And the Lord started speaking to me since, since I was a child. He started bringing up all the issues, all the challenges I had. And then what he said? He said, you're too hard on yourself. The Lord says, you have to already let that go. Because there's something new he wants to do with you. And he is desirous to partner with you in this new thing. That busted me up, man. I wanted to, to cry like a little baby. I wanted to get in a fetal position on the floor. and just. <laughs> but I didn't. There's a lot of people there. That whole thing was being recorded, so I don't want to do that. No, no, listen. In, in your most difficult times, God reminds you, listen, I'm with you. I'm here. We forget he's here. And we get so burdened by the current circumstance that we can't feel his love, that we can't hear his voice, that we forget that he's here. Never leaves us nor forsakes us. In the midst of the most difficult time, the father says, don't worry, I'm here. I'm going to walk this with you. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I'm grateful to him. Because otherwise, if he wasn't with me, I wouldn't be able to deal with some of the things that come my way. But we have to press through. We have to press through. They know that if they don't give up, they will see the miraculous hand of God in their midst. I don't know how it's going to look like. I don't understand. I just know I have to press. The problem is we want God to answer one way, and he's doing something totally different. We want him to respond this way, but God is saying, oh, no, I got something better for you. I got something different that you don't see or understand as of yet, but trust me through the process. And we know hindsight is twenty twenty. Sister Annie was sharing, you know, what do you do when you lose it all? And now they're in a shelter. And God is saying, don't worry, I'm going to restore it all to you. I'm going to bless you. If this is happening, that because, that's because something bigger is on its way. Problem is, we get used to here, and God wants to take us here. And sometimes, he's got to allow this to blow up in order for us to get to our here. Hallelujah. So, it, it, this is a season when we must press in. God is saying we need to press in. Many have been losing ground. Satan has been encroaching on our Christian rights for some time. We need to press, not just to lose more, but also to recover that which the enemy has already taken. And also be able to advance and thrive in his will and in his kingdom. We need to turn the tables around on the enemy and get more aggressive in our pursuing the purposes of God versus his attacking us and just us resisting. 
God hasn't called us just to resist. He called us to move forward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the righteous and the violent take it by force. You're not going to go to the enemy and say, please, Mr. Devil, can I have that back? You got to go back and say, I'm taking it back, and that's it. Not ask permission. You have authority in the spirit realm to take it back. And whatever the enemy stole one way, he's going to have to give it back seven ways. We must press in with our relationships. This nation is being torn asunder relationally. Don't you see it? People spitting each other in the face, screaming at people while they're in restaurants sitting down and eating. I don't care if, you dis- if I disagree with you politically, but I'm not going to go to a restaurant and spit at you and, and, and try to you know, threaten you and threaten your life. I'm not going to do that. I, you know, I'm growing up enough to disagree with you, and at the end of the day, let's go have some coffee together. We just don't disagree. Don't you see behind the scenes? Why is somebody so angry that they're willing to throw feces at a building because of a political dissent? That's gone far. Those are unclean spirits. You know, just just motivating these people to do these atrocities. Isn't the church of God awake today? Don't you see this is far beyond the pale? This is not normal, people. These are spirits. The spirit of this age has darkened the eyes of these people. They don't even know what they're doing. They think they're doing right. You're not doing right. You're just being a puppet, a pawn in the hand of the enemy. Hallelujah. We must press in. The world has just given in to this divisive and destructive spirit. And you can see the devastation in relationships, in friendships, in families. We need to realize that the real enemy is the devil and his tools such as flesh and pride and arrogance. They're they're, they're open to all to see. The thing is we're not seeing. We must press in to hear God, to know God, to live pleasing to God. And then model it to a confused world because they're confused out there. Just this morning, I was listening to the news on my way over. And there's a group of people right now that are saying that they should have legislation go forth and change the law so that we won't call babies babies anymore. They should change the name of babies and and, and create a, a neutral term. And they should not define the sexuality of a child. This morning, I heard that. And I was in my car, and I'm, I wanted to jump out of my car, but I couldn't. It was going at least 70 miles an hour. I wanted to jump out, of, and I wanted to go to that person. How many levels of insanity are we letting ourselves get into? I could tell you exactly what the sexuality of that child is. Just take the pampers off, and I'll tell you what the baby is. There's an insanity going out there. We have to press in because it's our responsibility to bring them back. We have to bring them back. The prodigal son went bananas. I mean, he took something that he didn't even have a right to take at the time. He took all of of his inheritance and went out and, I mean, just blew it. Squandered it. Just lived crazy. Finally came to himself. But thank God that the father had mercy on him. 
And here's the issue. We, don't, we, we can't respond with anger to what's happening. We have to understand the eyes of their understanding have been darkened. We have to be there when they fall, because they're going to fall hard when they realize the mistake that they've made. We have to be there and grab them and love them back. The father loved them, but the older son was saying, what is he doing here? Man, he doesn't deserve to be here. And that's what religious folks say. They've been in church for 10 years. They've been living okay for 10 years, do you think? Right? And when somebody comes in after they've blown it, they come back and, eh, he doesn't deserve it. She doesn't deserve it. What? Dude, read the prodigal son story. And realize that if we've been okay for a couple of years, it's so that we could help the one that's weaker. The Bible says that, you know, let us help the weaker brother. But it also says, watch that you yourself don't fall. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say to your neighbor, we need to press. We need to press in, press in. We must press in to obtain our inheritance. The enemy is fighting to take our inheritance from us. You have a lot to give. You have a lot to, 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 to share, people, a lot. But the enemy wants to paralyze your faith so that you're useless. A person that's paralyzed can't do anything. You're, you're paralysis of thought, paralysis of ministry. You can't move forward. You're afraid to do anything. Oh, what if I make a mistake? I guarantee you'll make a mistake. And the more you try, the more mistakes you make. But that's good. Mistakes aren't bad. Mistakes are the way people grow and learn. And the enemy has, has, has created also a culture that when somebody makes a mistake, you want to beat them down. No, no, no. I'm not going to beat a, uh, down a person that made a mistake. I say, what went wrong this time? How can we change it this time? And let's move on. A, a, a baby that first tries to walk, if they fall down the first time, do we determine that they're useless? No, no we celebrate it because he dared to get up and try. And, and then we put him up again that he could try again and fall again. And we clap, yay, because we understand that's how people grow. But something happens when we grow up, you, ma you make a mistake. We don't go, yay, you made a mistake, good. Now, what did you learn out of it? We, we say, you made a mistake, Fired. Isn't that true? In many places, you're afraid to make a mistake. See, you get in line, in lockstep with what's going on, and you never, ever achieve anything significant in your life. And when God speaks, you can't even hear because you're so overwhelmed by the current morass of what is going on in your, in your, in your environment. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm sorry I'm so emotional about this, but... but, but there's something that's happening that we have to sound the alarm and we have to realize that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But we're in a position where we don't realize the riches of the glory of the inheritance that we're carrying right now. It's almost similar to the guy that's dying of hunger and he doesn't realize that there's $100,000 in the bank because they never told him. And he's got the card in his pocket. give you an example of those that pressed in versus those who gave up. Joseph pressed in and he became a great leader. Joseph pressed in. He was in prison. Everything was taken away from him. His own brothers despised him and sold him into slavery. And as he's serving in slavery, his own owner lies about him. He ends up in prison, but he kept pressing in. He ended up, I mean, right next to Pharaoh. King Saul, however, refused to press in with God and continually disobeyed God. And he defaulted as a leader and he lost his legacy. 
Peter pressed in because Peter made a mistake. Peter told Jesus, I'll never, ever, ever disown you. I'll never speak against you. I'm always with you up to the death. And, and, and Jesus said, uh, today you're going to deny me three times. And, when he, and, and then Jesus said this, listen, Satan has been wanting to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed that your faith not fail. And when you're restored, come back and minister to your brethren. Remember that? So he failed miserably, but he came back. He came back, he pressed in, he became a great spiritual leader. But there was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. It says, now as he came out on the road, one came running. He knelt before him. He said, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, well, um, why do you call me good? No one is good but, but God. Do you, know the ten, do you know the commandments? Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your mother and father, father and mother. In verse 20 he says, he answered, he says, I have kept all these things from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. See, it was a tender act of Jesus to respond to him like he responded to the other disciples. He said this, he said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and come and have, and, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. This man could have become a great leader. He might have been another apostle. He certainly could have been one of the leaders to help um, the first 70 years of, of the manifestation of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it says here, he was sat at the word, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. In other words, the possessions had him. He could not follow Jesus because the possessions were more important to him. So he thought that all he needed was to go to Jesus. Jesus would bless them. But Jesus gave him a life eternally, I mean, eternity-determined request. Sell what you have, follow me. Um, I'll make you a fisherman. He did not. Peter did. He didn't. What else have you heard about this rich young ruler in Scripture? Absolutely nothing. What else have you heard about Peter after he failed? You hear from him all the time. He's always being quoted all over the world in mostly every language. Joshua and Caleb pressed in and they received their inheritance. They even had to uh, deal with angry folk that wanted to stone them, but they still stood their ground. But the other ten spies gave up because of fear, and they lost their inheritance and their legacy. In Hebrews chapter 10, this to me, this verse that I'm about to read to you, or a series of verses that I'm about to read to you, scare me. Are you ready to hear this? Amen, amen. Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And you will receive, right, uh, for in just a little while, he was coming, will come, and will not delay. And then it says this, but my righteous one will live by faith. But if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. Then it goes on to say, but we're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. See, we're the ones that press forward. We're the ones that continue seeking God even when we go through delays, even when we go through trials, even when, when we go through the problems. We still stick, stick together with Jesus. 
He says, if my righteous one shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. That's scary. I want to please God. Remember when I shared with you a couple of weeks ago um, the two versions of how to present the parachute? Yes. I'm going to share it again just as a reminder. If you're in a plane, somebody goes to you, put this parachute on. It's going to make your life easier. It's going to make you more comfortable. You're going to love it. You put on, especially in today's tight seats, you put on that particular garb, right? Parachute is heavy. It's cumbersome. It doesn't fit well in the chair. You take it right back off. You give it back to the person. Sorry, I tried it. I don't like it. Right? And that's the way much of the preaching, preaching is today. Oh, receive Christ. It's going to be a comfortable life. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to have a great time. That's a lie. You come to Christ, the devil's going to come at you with all that he has. You're going to suffer temptations and trials. You're going to go through difficulties. But guess what? Greater is he that is in you. You can overcome all of that. And not only that, now you stand and you become God's representative. So what if I present you the parachute this way? Hi, the plane's going down in 10 minutes. Put the parachute on, you'll live. Now you hold on to that parachute, no matter how uncomfortable it is. You don't care how heavy it is. You grab onto it for dear life because you know that thing's going to save you. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That, so, so you have a reserve which makes it more cumbersome. And they're very uncomfortable. Yeah, they, they, I'm sure they are. But yet, that's the very thing that'll save you. Bartimaeus, the blind man, he pressed in. Because it says in verse 46, when they reached Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him, but a blind man, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people said, be quiet. And people yelled at him. See, like that little one? You're on your own. It says, but he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. He kept on. He pressed. He pressed. He didn't give up. He kept on screaming. He kept on crying out. He kept on wanting to get God's attention. And when Jesus heard him, and that's a beautiful verse right there, when Jesus heard him. When you cry out to God, Jesus hears you. When you cry out to God, it doesn't make a difference how much noise in the periphery. The Lord knows your voice because he knows the voice of his sheep. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then Jesus heard him. He stopped and he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. I'm sure they weren't happy because they were on the road. They were, they were going somewhere. Maybe some wanted to get some lunch on the road. And this guy stops the whole procession. And there were a lot of people there. He made a big ruckus, but he needed an answer. And people challenged him. He continued to press. I guarantee you that when you get serious with God, some of your own family are going to try to stop you. Some of your own family are going to challenge you to stop. They say, shut up. Who do you think you are? Stay in your station. But you've got to get Jesus. I mean, you've got to get even. You scream all the louder. Hallelujah. 
Because at the end of the day, when you're going through your issues, they're not there. Nobody's there. It's you and God. I'm going to say it again. It's you and God. When everybody else is is gone, it's you and God. When things look impossible, it's you and God. When they say to you, there's no hope, it's you and God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Come on, he's calling you. So Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped in, and came to Jesus. I mean, I could preach out of that, but that's not the point that I'm making today. He said, what do you want me to ask for you, Jesus asked. The blind man said, I want to see. He says, go for your faith has healed you. Go for your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed you. And see, real faith will press. Real faith will push through. Real faith will touch God. Real faith will get you to the other side. Fake faith, see everybody has faith, but fake faith gives up too easily. Faith, fake, fake, faith, fake faith. (laughs) (laughs) Leave me alone, stop picking on me. Fake faith seems real, but when the pressure comes, it melts. It's like a candle. Melts under pressure. Real faith goes into the oven and comes right back out, not smelling that smoke. Fake faith won't even go into the oven because it's not convenient. Yeah, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, they trusted God even, and they said it this way, even if God doesn't deliver us, we still are not going to bow before you, O King Nebuchadnezzar. Real faith goes all the way. Fake faith will go just as long as it's convenient for them. And that's why you can see people sometimes in church, and then they're not in church. Real faith keeps on even when it's offended. Fake faith, the minute it's offended. How is it? Gone. You don't, you don't hear anything. Just, just a little birds. Thank you, thank you. I'm going to record that one day and have it just here, just in case. Because I, I can't do that no matter what. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, sir. The faithful... Faith, faithful brother, man. He's, he's, uh, you, you always give me that cricket when I need it. Go your way. Your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and then it says, and he followed Jesus down the road. Real faith, when he gets a miracle or she gets a miracle, continues to follow after Christ. Fake faith gets something from God, and then you don't see them anymore. Which one are you? What about the woman with the issue of blood? That was real faith. Pressed in, pressed in. The crowd, pressed in. People big enough, pressed in. Move people over. Excuse me, I need, an, I need to get to that place. A person that presses in doesn't take no from, for an answer. 
A person that presses in knows that they've got to get there, come hook or crook. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to allow anybody to stop me. I'm not going to be detoured. I might have to cry. I might feel some pain, but I'm going to keep on moving forward until I get my answer. Because I know that I know that God, if I don't see the answers, because he has something else. He has something else that's even better. Hallelujah. Amen. So in, in closing, when Paul said, I press, what are you actually saying? You don't understand whatever it takes. I am going to pursue the purposes of God in my life. I don't care what happens. I don't care what I lose. I don't care who leads me. I don't care if I have to go at this alone. I'm going to continue until I pursue and get and touch the hem of his garment. I'm going to do God's will. I'm going to see the high call of God in my life. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Praise God.